Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Hello, everyone. Good morning. It's always good to see you guys here. Wow. Isn't God good? He is so good and he's so faithful. Uh, we've been cleaning out s- some of our storage in our house. Actually, it isn't storage. It's just stuff that was in our attic that just kind of found a place there. So uh, we have a couple other rooms that we've been cleaning out. And last night we came across some love letters that we wrote each other before we got married. They're very interesting letters. And uh, I, I sat there and I read... I read Lynn's letter, and I'm blown away by her little letter. It was only two pages, short little notes. And she's, she's talking about Jesus. She's talking about the Lord, and, and she's actually teaching in her letter. This is before we got married. I don't even know if we were engaged yet. It was um, close to that time, I think. I'm not sure, but 1980. And um, so I'm reading this last night, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, this, this guy was full of revelation even then. And she made a comment about faith being so simple, and she's just learning the simplicity of faith and trusting God. And I, I uh, read her letter first, and then I read my letter, six pages, full sheets, handwritten, um, w- which took me some time because my writing is so terrible. So I remember writing the event of writing the letter, I'd have to say it took me four hours to write the letter. And I, I started reading my, my own words from when I was 23 years old. And as I read my own words, aside from the fact that I love Jesus so much and we are so in love with the Lord and so in love with God, I got a little off on the church. And at that time, I, we weren't in uh, ministry at all. I wasn't a pastor at that time. Uh, me and another friend had a home that we took in 11 homeless guys, uh, and we uh, had this ministry home that we had, and then we had a lot of the young adults that would come over from the church, and we'd pray and have Bible studies and uh, play uh, spoons and various other fun activities, and then we'd go out in the streets and we'd share the Lord uh, in the streets of Lemister and so my heart was really in ministry, and I'm writing in my words, I'm writing to my wife, not at that time my wife, but I'm writing to Lynn, and I'm explaining to her, you know, you better really pray hard before you marry me, because you're, this is who you're getting. You're getting me, and this is, what I, this is what I think. And I went on this spew of anti-church people in my letter. I'm I'm reading I'm shocking myself as I'm reading the 23-year-old mind of a young man and I'm reading how you know we fool ourselves we think we're a body of one and we're really not and you know ushers have to wear ties and suits and they don't just accept you for how you dress and how you look and I have to say that when I gave my life to the Lord in 1978, I was influenced greatly by the Jesus movement. And at that time, I wore T-shirts that looked dirty, pants that had holes in them. My hair was getting longer. And to, to think that if, if, if you wanted to participate in an activity at church, you had to wear a suit and a tie was so limiting in my mind. I, could, I, I just couldn't get past it. So I'm... I'm spewing this stuff out in this letter, and I'm reading it last night, and I started going, oh my gosh, and she doesn't know what I'm reading because she hasn't read it yet. It's my old letter from, I don't know, how long, 41 years ago? 1979. So she hasn't read it yet, and, and as, as I'm, uh, I'm going, oh my gosh, oh my Lord, what was the matter with me? And she goes, what, what, what is it? And I said, I, I was so arrogant. I can't believe my arrogance. That I was viewing things through this lens of looking at people, drawing a conclusion based on what I was seeing. 
and coming to the understanding that church was just a joke and really wasn't that relevant to my life. Or I should say needed so much work, it's almost impossible to see it be changed. And as I read this, I thought, wow, that was 41 years ago. And I, all my memories of that church were favorable to me today. I, I, to me, I had favorable memories of that place that we were in. People took me in. They loved me. They accepted me. And as I'm reading my own words, I can't believe I'm, I'm coming down so hard on the church. And The more I read it, the more in a hole I started going. Just as I was sitting in the chair reading my letter from 41 years ago, I started reading myself into a deep hole, like a dungeon, going down and down and down. And then I signed, um, I signed In Christ, Daryl, and then I love you very much, Lynn. And that was the end of my letter. And as, as I read this, I thought, what was I thinking? Now, I wrote her two letters, and they were both very long. And for some reason, I can't find the second letter. I don't, that disappeared somewhere over the time. So I'm, I can only hope that that letter was a little bit better than this one that I read. But I want to talk to you today about how faith expressed through love win the day. And we're going to be getting into our 17th part of Ephesians. Hard to believe that 17 parts have been done in this session. But I love it. I'm enjoying it. And I, I wanted to start off with some psalms before we get into uh, this passage of Ephesians that we're going to look at. In Psalms chapter 4, 6 to 8. And this, this deals with, okay, this deals with the perception. It deals with how... I tied that I explained that letter because it ties in with perception somewhat. My my perspective was off. My perception was off. And the reason it got off is because I started looking at people. And when you start looking at people instead of looking at above, you start seeing mistakes. And the more you look at mistakes, the more mistakes you find. And the more things that you don't like to see, the worse things get. Like I was reading last night, and as I'm reading it, I'm going down into a hole. And I thought, how deep in this hole was I back when I was 23 years old? (laughs) Psalms chapter 4, 6 to 8. There are many who say corruption abounds. Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, that passage is very powerful because it says that there are many who are saying corruption abounds. Who will show us any good? And it gives a highlight into the psalmist who was looking around him, seeing at the time There wasn't a whole lot of good going on. Who could find any good at this time? Who's going to show us any good? And then he says, let the light of your countenance be upon us. Because that's when you start finding the goodness. You can look all around and see all kinds of things around today that don't look very hopeful and don't look very good. But as soon as you look to the countenance of God, as soon as you look to the face of God, as soon as you set your eyes on things above, you start seeing the good. Right? And I'm telling you, the goodness of God is worth waiting for because there are, there are what I like to call the how longs of the Psalms. There are a lot of Psalms. I stopped counting 35 sentences and I was only halfway through the Psalms where the Psalmist says, how long, O Lord? There are so many questions of how long, O Lord. And I decided, okay, this would be a good time to kind of refresh our our thinking here. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? So Psalms 13, 1 to 6. You don't have to turn to all these. You can write them down if you're taking notes. And if you want to go in your pilot or your phone or whatever, you can do that too. Psalms 13, 1 to 6. How long, O Lord, 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul only to have sorrow in my heart daily? It's kind of when I'm reading that letter last night. My soul was giving me counsel and I was sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. This is what I love about the Psalms. When the psalmist is writing these things and he's, he's going down soul's path of going into a deep dungeon of gloom and of hopelessness and of que- uh, questioning doubts and uh, you know just going into this whole thing of asking questions that are filled with doubt. He's going down this thing like, how long will my enemy exalt over? He's, he's feeling persecuted. He's feeling like the enemy is triumphing over his life. He's feeling like everything is breaking out against him. And he's stuck in this place of how long. And we don't know how long his how long was, do we? When you read the psalm, it's like he's saying how long. But is he just, after he says how long, is it finished? Does it say how long he was in this period? Does it say how long he felt like? I mean, I read uh, the history of David's life, and it seems like everybody was out to get him. King Saul was out to get him. Enemies were out to get him. His brothers were out to get him. His father didn't even recognize him as a son. I mean, this guy had a lot of things going against him. So how long looks like it was a good portion of his life that he's in this place of feeling unwanted, unneeded, uh overlooked, not significant. And he's saying, how long, O Lord? I don't know. We know that he reigned for 40 years. We know that. But even before that, he could have been in the how long. But the point that I'm trying to say is that he always, whenever he goes in these how long things, he always seems to manage to focus his attention upwards on the goodness and the mercy of God. Enlighten my eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, to see your goodness. I believe it's a perfect prayer for our day. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what you are doing in the earth today. We've heard the confusion of all the other stuff that's happening in the earth today. But open our eyes to see what you are doing, Lord. And yet we come back to, how long is this thing going to keep going on? It's like every day, if you, if you open up your news app, every day there's something bad being pronounced. Some bad news has just broke out. Some terrible thing is happening somewhere across the world. It's like Lynn told me recently, she goes, have we ever lived in a time where, where so many leaders in the world seem like they've lost their marbles? Like common sense stepped out the door somewhere? How long, oh Lord? <laughs> it's only been... Less than two years that we've been experiencing COVID. You realize this? Less than two years. And yet it seems like a long, long, long time. And it seems like to me it's unfrazzling a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of frazzling going on. There's a lot of strange things happening. I, you must have seen it. There's strangeness in the air. There's all kind of, every, everywhere you look, it's, it's like, can it get any more crazy than this? Less than two years. David lived 40 years of how longs. Psalms 85.8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. You got to catch this. Mercy and truth have come together to meet. Mercy and truth have had a meeting. They've come together. Righteousness and peace got so close to each other, they kissed. Verse 11, truth shall spring out of the earth. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. 
Wow. I read this. I got so excited when I read this earlier this week. Truth shall spring out of the earth. All right, here's a guy. He's had trials. He's had struggles. He's had difficulties most of his life, 40 years of how longs. And here he is making this declaration in the midst of a storm, in the midst of crisis. And he's saying, truth shall spring out of the earth. I got excited. I got excited. Because mankind can conjure up all sorts of things, but he cannot hide the truth from springing up from the earth. He cannot hide the truth spoken in the universe. He can't cover up truth. Truth is completely unchangeable. Uh, You guys got that, right? No man can change truth. Let every man be a liar and let God remain true. Truth cannot change. It can't be changed. Our perception about truth can change. But that doesn't change the reality of what's true. Verse 12, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and he shall make his footsteps our pathway. Psalms 35, 15 to 18. We are going to get to Ephesians pretty quick. Just hang with me. We're, we're getting there right now. Just buckle your seats. The plane is, is just taking off. Psalms 35, 15 says, But in my adversity they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me, and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feast, they gnashed at me with their teeth. This is a guy, he, he's like, when he's going to the feast to celebrate, he's got people gnashing at him with, his, with their teeth. They hate him that much. They're looking for him to fall. They're looking for him to crumble apart. They're looking for his kingdom to to diminish they're looking for the enemies to come in and take it over this is a guy who not a whole lot of nations liked him gnashed with their teeth how long O lord will you look on rescue me from their destructions my precious life from the lions i will give you thanks in the great assembly i will praise you among the people What's he do? He goes in the midst of this storm, in the midst of these accusations, in the midst of these enemies gnashing their teeth at him, and he goes into a place of praise and worship and celebration. Why? Because he knows it's the answer to opening heaven, to getting the portals of heaven to open over our situations when they're not good. Yeah, it's the power of praise and worship. It's like what what we do here this morning, what we did this morning, what we do together when we gather together, what we do in our homes when we just lift up a song to the Lord, when we just direct our attention to Him, what we do on our on our uh, in our quiet times, wherever we might be in a chair, on our deck, wherever, and we just direct our attention to Him, and we just begin to say, "Lord, You are so good. Your goodness endures for all generation." When we do that, when we turn our attention to Him, it's praising Him. It's like lifting our eyes to Him. It's like lifting us out of the pit, bringing us into the place of the heavenlies. Powerful. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. It's a passage of Scripture that's probably been preached so many times throughout the years. I know I've preached on it, and I've I've done studies on it, spending time to get into what each armor thing represents. But I want you to hear this as in today, as in our time right now, as we're sitting in this place today, in a situation of how long, O Lord? I want you to hear this. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and I looked at that word in the Hebrew it means schemes cunning arts deceit craft and trickery 
Stand against the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. I just love that verse. Having done all to stand, keep standing. Don't get knocked down. Don't get thrown backwards. Don't get feeling defeated. Don't get feeling like you've been believing the wrong thing for all your life. Don't get feeling like you've lost your faith. Don't get feeling like you've lost your hope. Don't start feeling like at any moment in time you could get sick and die. Don't start feeling like that. Stand strong with the whole armor of God. Stand strong. Put on the strength of the Lord. I, I, I want to just say today, I'm going to get I'm going to be getting into some things and I don't want to just say them like I'm saying them to you. I am including myself in this package. This is not a preaching app message. This is a message that's kind of like reevaluating our situation today and the current events that we're faced in. And bringing balance to those current events and bringing stability to those current events by the way that we believe and by the way that we perceive. I believe the way that we believe is important. But I believe living by faith in the finished work is even more important. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Wow. I, as I've said before, I've done studies on each of those items. There are books written on the armor of God, Christian books. You can buy Christian books and they'll, they'll go into the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. They'll go into all those things into detail and they'll unpack several scriptures around it. I think what Paul, I'm not so sure Paul had that in mind when he wrote this. I think what he was saying is that there there is this place for us to be in the midst of the how long, O Lord, and persevere through those things and understand we are not victims. Look, I'm going to say that again. There is this place of the how longs of God that we as people of faith are standing in those how long, O Lord, will this continue on? And we're standing in the midst of the how long with the need to persevere and understand that we are not victims. We're not victims. I I don't care what anybody tells you. I ain't going to be no victim. I don't have time for victimizations. I don't have time to look at my life and say, oh, you poor guy. Poor guy. Man, if you were just pastoring at a different time, things would be so much better. Man, just think about it. Well, I have been pastoring at different times. I'm telling you that at any time, at any time in our life, whether it's a how long or whether everything is going good in our lives, Success is all around us and, and we're prospering at any time. We need to make sure that we are keeping our eyes focused on things that are above. We are keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. Now, other books have been written on uh, our 
warfare is not against flesh and blood, but principalities against powers. And there's all kinds of books on spiritual warfare out there. I mean, there's so many books you could read on spiritual warfare that make your head spin. I think what Paul is basically saying is that there is this presence in the earth where we, if we're not careful, will get sucked into a vortex of confusion and disinformation. And there is a presence in the earth where if we focus on things that are above and put our eyes on Jesus and put our eyes on the hope that is within us, oh my gosh, we'll come out victorious every time. Oh my gosh, we'll understand we're not victims, we're fighters. We'll understand we are not the defeated, we're the conquerors. Well, let me just talk about disinformation just a little bit, because there's a lot of talk about disinformation today, isn't there? It's, you can listen to one side saying that the other side is giving disinformation today till you're blue in the face. Disinformation. I just want to say the Old Testament reveals that Lucifer was created good by God. Okay? He was, he was created a good angel by God. God did not create an evil angel. Be clear about that. He was given the highest position among the angels to lead worship in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's... You look in Ezekiel, you look in Isaiah, and you'll see Lucifer talked about in heaven before he fell. He was not content with his position. He plotted to take over God's position as Lord of all. And the greatest of rebellions of all times in the universe when he tried to turn the hosts of heaven against God. And God remedied that by casting Lucifer out of heaven, along with a third of the fallen angels, where he cast them, and for how long remains a mystery, and there are theories of the pre-created world, and there are all sorts of things out there, time gaps, everything else. It's just a mystery, all right? But we know that he showed up, at the tree of knowledge of good and evil to tempt humanity's first parents. And after the creation of man, Satan's ambitious and devious nature sought to change the perspective of humans who had been made in God's image. The whole plot was get them to see God differently than he actually was. If the devil could change their perspective toward their good father, it would introduce his rebellious nature, which would begin to manipulate and control them and their descendants afterward. The scheme to change humanity's perspective of God is the primary goal of Lucifer. Change the perspective of God, who God is, his goodness, what's important to him, what he loves to see. Change humanity's perspective. That way, just like at the tree, he could control people with half-truths. And he is the master of disinformation. The grace of God allows us to be strong in the Lord and stand against the powers and principalities of this world by getting our perspective back. We are given the armor of God to advance in the kingdom of God in the world. All right, don't waste your time at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil talking to Satan. Don't bother wasting your time on what he's doing. Don't bother chasing all of his schemes and all of his plots. He's a master. He's deceived humanity for thousands of years since man was created. He's been deceiving man. He's a master. I don't think any of us can outfox him. 
But I'll tell you, God has given us an armor to wear that takes us out of his schemes and puts us into the truth so that we can live by faith. Let me talk a little bit about perspective. Seeing is not believing. In this world, they, all they can show you is what they can see. All they, can, all they have is what they can tangibly see and what they can tangibly hold. That's what this world offers. What they see. What they're holding on to. Look at what we have. This is what's important to you. And this is not an us against them. This is the schemes that the clever, tricky devil is just constantly putting in their minds, blinding their eyes from the truth. Bite the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It will keep you safe. His whole point was to shift their attention from a relationship that they had with God into forming their own ideas about God. And our perspective of God is not necessarily always correct. Which is why we need the truth. Because the truth steers us in the pathways of God. The truth brings us to a place where we walk with God. Because God knows that our perspective can get tainted by the how longs. And I want to just say our perspective does not change the spirit of faith any more than it can change the truth. Truth and faith, they are eternal. They're going to remain unchangeable. And once embraced, they can actually change everything. It just takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. Do you think COVID is bigger than a mountain? Oh, did I mention COVID in here? Oh my gosh, I just did. I, I don't think it's bigger. I know it's been pumped up so big. I know it's done a lot of damage. But I don't believe it's bigger than a mountain. I believe faith can move it. Once faith gets embraced, everything changes. And it is far better to let faith change our perspective than let our perspective change our faith. Do you understand? That's kind of like what's taking place today. People's faith is being affected because they're seeing what can be seen. 2 Corinthians 4 says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Okay. This stuff, I've lived 64 years. I've lived 64 years. Less than two of those 64 years have been affected by this stuff going on right now. Is that going to control my entire life? No. I can't become a victim to that. Are you, are you guys? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right, good. <laughs> Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, even though, even though it's perishing, even though the things 
out there are perishing, we don't lose heart. We do not give up. We don't cancel our faith. We don't cancel our hope based on what we see. We look to things that are above. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day by day, day by day, day by day. Oh, dear Lord, these things I pray to see you more clearly. Uh, However, the rest of the words go, I don't know. It's been too long since I heard that song. Wow. Man, that's going back in time. Renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far exceeding. Did I just read this? Far exceeding eternal weight and glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is where the faith of this is where the realm of faith unpacks everything for the believer. This is where we get the benefits of looking into the unseen to change and to bring change and to create a new world. The unseen. (laughs) You all know the story of Noah. Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet Seen. I pondered this verse as I was looking at this verse. I'm going, he was divinely warned of things not seen. Noah was living in a day of bad stuff going on all around the, uh, on, on humanity. It was just bad stuff. It had to be really, really bad. He's living in this day really, really bad. But he was divinely warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. What? He's living in such a bad time, but he's not looking at that. He's hearing God. And God says, Take warning. 120 years in advance, God tells him, Take warning. I pondered this and I thought about this and I thought, Okay, you know what? There's one thing that, there's one thing that honestly bothers me about a lot of us as believers. We'll take a situation like what we've been living in for the last couple of years. We'll take that situation and then we'll start forming all sorts of prophetic thought around it. Noah didn't do that. There was nothing that he could see that would cause him to take warning. I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen it this way before. So I'm unpacking this the best way that I can. There's nothing in Noah's mind, there's nothing in Noah's vision that would cause him to say, the world is in such a bad place, something terrible is going to happen. What is it, God? There's nothing in his mind to do that. Noah's just going along his righteous, good old righteous self, and all of a sudden he hears the Lord say, take warning, things are going to be changing pretty quick. Build an ark. 120 years before rain even hit the earth for the first time. What that does to me is it tells me, am I living my life just by what I can see? Is by what I see today in this world affecting my belief system? Is it affecting my faith? Is it affecting how I believe? Is it affecting me? Am I becoming a victim? Am I living like it's the end of the world and things are going to wrap up any time because of what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing on a daily basis? I, I mean, it shocks me. How, how many of you ever grabbed an electric fence? Obviously, when you were younger and didn't know any better. Hopefully, you didn't do that when you were older. But it's quite a jolt to you. And this, this passage jolted me. He was divinely warned of things not seen. I just read that, and I'm like going, are, are people prophesying today 
destruction and gloom and doom, are they being divinely warned? Or are they throwing it all out there because it's a perfect opportunity in a crisis to do so? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm very cautious about how I say this. I don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want to sound like I have all the answers. I don't want to do any of that stuff here. I'm asking questions. I'm, I'm doing it like I've been instructed. Ask questions. Don't make statements. Our, is our faith being affected by our current events? Is our end-time philosophy being affected by current events? Were we all doing fine before COVID hit? Were we all happier, living better? Were things going along smoothly? Were things normal? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't remember anybody wearing a mask before COVID hit. I don't remember it ever being mandated to wear a mask before COVID hit. I mean, I often said when I had to wear a mask to go into the bank, I thought, my God, I would have been arrested by the security if I did this before COVID. They would have had me on the floor. Are, are we somehow... Have we somehow been infected? Is there a scheme behind the scenes in the unseen realm? Is there this spiritual plot going on to try to change us as believers so that we will lose our perception of God and be misinformed about His goodness and who He is? I was amazed how many songs we sang this morning concerning warfare. I'm amazed how God puts that message together. I don't send these things to the team. Okay, well, I'm going to be preaching on warfare this Sunday. Make sure you sing a bunch of warfare songs. I don't do that. Never have. But there's, there's an unseen realm that is wreaking havoc. On the people who carry faith in their hearts. To try to get us to lose hope and to lose faith. And I'm saying today, no way, no how, and no more, no more, no more. And I believe that shift has come. I believe it's in the atmosphere. I believe we're all pretty well, we've all been pretty well saying how long, how long, how long. And I believe right now, and I, I mentioned this uh, several, uh, maybe a couple months ago at this point, I don't know how long exactly in weeks it's been, when I stood up here and I proclaimed, I feel like the Lord spoke to me and said, their protection is gone from them. And those are, that's exactly what Caleb said to the children of Israel when they were all fearful of the giants in the promised land. And he stood up and said, their protection is gone from them. We can take this land. And I believe since that time, I've been seeing shifts in things that have been said, statements that are being made, science that is being discovered, that's opening up new avenues of understanding. And all the while, we're, we're sitting here as the most powerful people on the planet with the ability to make decrees and declarations, to change situations in this world. I don't, does it, does it make sense to any of us that the devil would try to throw disinformation on our laps so that we get all confused? He's a, he's a tricky thing, man. He's, he's, he's a schemer and he works behind the scenes in the unseen realm. How many, how many thoughts bombard our heads on a daily basis? Oh, man, you guys, 
John chapter 1, verse 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it is it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And we know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John chapter 4, 1-6 to Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. But you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know that the spirit of truth. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Who? I'm either out of breath and dizzy or the presence of the Lord just hit that set of scriptures. And I felt a good dose of heaven just now. We're the children of God. You guys, we're his kids. We get to live like his kids. We're not orphaned, abandoned, but we're dearly loved. And we're mighty and victorious in him. Can we stand together? I just, you know what? I would like to just, if you guys uh, would join with me in this, at this moment, I I would just like to hear some praises to God. Okay? So, now what what I'm going to ask is, because I know we can all do this together. We've, you know, we've shouted together before and we've done all that before. But just individually, if you could have the courage and the boldness to just say out loud, some praises to God right now of thanksgiving. Thanking Him for who He is. Thanking Him for His blessings. Thanking Him for being with you today. Just go ahead. In your own words, just begin to declare. Yes, Lord, we declare in the midst of this time, you're good. Yes, Lord, we declare in the midst of this time, you are victorious. Yes, Lord, we declare that we lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge you. Yes, Lord, we declare that your praises endure to every generation. Your mercy endures and never fails. Yes, Lord, we declare you're dressed for battle. For the battle is the Lord's, not ours. Yes, Jesus, we declare you're the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, Lord, we declare that once we were blind, but now we see. 
And we see the unseen things. And we declare to those things. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise you, God. Bless your name for your faithfulness. No one beside you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, for for waking up, for waking up the generations. I want to thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit, enlightening the eyes. I thank you, Lord, that there is no lost generation. That you came to save that which was lost. Yes. (laughs) Glory. Praise Him. Praise Him, praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, praise Him, oh praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down. (laughs) Remember that song? It's a song that never ended. You just go on and on and on. Let praise arise in your hearts. Have a good day, you guys. again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.